Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Hello again. Welcome to Week 12. This is Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and the Colts are trying to shake off that heartbreaking 17-16 loss to the Eagles last time out at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts were up 10 points going into the fourth quarter, couldn't close the deal, and they're now 4-6-1. and and They've lost four of their last five games. And, Rick, I know you're glad the Colts play on a Monday night this week to have that extra day to get over that tough loss to Philadelphia, one of the best teams in the NFL. I know that one got you pretty good. I know you're still kind of heartbroken over that one. Well, yeah, and I'm finally, you know, I'm finally on to Pittsburgh, but you're exactly right. I, I needed uh, 48 hours this time. Uh, I got myself in such a, you know, kind of an upper kind of a, a fit that we could win this. I felt like that even going in, you know, that we had them just lined up perfectly on the schedule with the short week, with the struggles they were having, you know, with us having momentum coming out of there. I felt so good about it, really. And I, it wasn't a phony. It wasn't like a make-believe, you know, motivate yourself. I totally believe that. You know, and then obviously I think both of us were so let down because, you know, they teased us again with that 13-3 lead. It was a lot like the commanders, you know, 13-3 lead going into fourth quarter. You know, and our overall numbers all season defensively have been good in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't to be. Um, uh, the the Eagles made, you know, some good coaching adjustments. Uh, and more importantly, their their players made big plays. The guys that had to make big, big plays, uh, they made them. So, you know, it was a gut wrencher because, man, we had a chance to um, really – not only gain credibility, but going to Thanksgiving, you know, five, five, and one, yeah. which is kind of a big number going in there, five hundred. But I, I will say this, is that I've known teams. There's been several teams that are have been, you know, in the old days, seven and seventy Christmas and won World Championships. So, you know, always not lost, and we certainly can get well this week, um, you know, if we play well. No doubt about that. Pittsburgh is up next. They're three and seven, but. What conclusions did you draw from the Philadelphia game? Where are the Colts? Who is this team with six games to play? And and maybe more importantly, you know, bigger picture, Rick, is anything capable of changing in a big way with this team on offense? Well, that's a good question. You know, I thought there maybe would. Um, I think we probably drew a little bit too too much praise, a, a little bit too much yeah. false conclusion out of the Raiders game. I, I kind of thought that was fool's goal because I knew they were really, really bad on defense. But I thought, you know, that would be some momentum. I think the most disappointing thing for me is the same things are plaguing us, Matt, uh, over 11 weeks now. And we haven't fixed them. I thought maybe we would get them fixed in a coaching change. I haven't seen any 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 of that right yet and i and it really comes back number one to not being able to run the football now 
in that first drive, you know, they the Philadelphia came out, kind of played flat. They played in that over defense, mm-hmm. their their base defense, and we just gashed them. I mean, I I mean, our offensive line blocked. They get so much they get so much criticism, but that first drive, I mean, they blocked. They got up into the second level. Jonathan got it downhill. I mean, we practically ran every play and just gashed him, and it looked like, you know, okay, this is going to be fine. But then, really, they made an, they made an adjustment right now. They said, okay, we're going to the double sink. We're going to play it all day. You know, these guys have had trouble with it. I, I was surprised they didn't start with it. And then, again, we, we got nothing. I mean, Jonathan got 25 yards, um, you know, in 54 minutes, 54 full minutes. He got 25 yards rushing. And when you can't run the football – and we haven't figured out how to run it against that bear defense. And I'm really disappointed because our offensive line and Jonathan are taking all the criticism. And part of that is schematic. We just don't do, we don't have a good gap blocking scheme. And so when they give you that bear front, I've been talking about it for 11 weeks. And I, and I, people probably think I'm crazy, but I, there's a reason that he gets 25 yards yeah. in 50. And it's not all the offensive line. I mean, there's, there's numbers there. There's not good angles against that defense. So that's number one. And then I think the second thing that really troubled me from an offensive standpoint is we got to help Ryman. And we know that going in. I mean, we got a false sense of security against the Raiders. But, you know, going against Philly where they have good rushers up and down, I mean, there's no way you can let your left tackle or your right guard alone on great players. It just, in particular, your left tackle – because he's going to be out there on a really good player. He's going to be out there in space. And we do so little to help him. I mean, almost never. Occasional chip, but almost never. And so, you know, critical situations, we get sacks. And, you know, it's really not his fault. He's just not ready to play. A year from now, you know, he'll be ready to play. He'll grow. He'll get bigger. He'll be experienced. He's got some talent. But at this point in time, it's just, you know, Riddick in the red zone came right underneath him. He couldn't handle it. And then at the end of the game, you know, Graham just crushed him. But on the same play, Hargraves crushed Nelson. So it's not like he owns it totally. But that's a real, those two issues are disappointing to me because I look at the game from a, you know, very highly technical standpoint and schematic first. But most people don't. I mean, even a lot of the media guys have no idea what's really happening. And to me, uh, it's 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 not a question of whether he's good enough or not. He's not right now. So you really got to help him. And to me, that is a real, uh, you know, like I said, in my world, um, you know, after 11 weeks, that's really uh, that's really un- inexcusable in in some respects. And I, I guess maybe you could answer this. The other thing that really troubled me was why uh, JT wasn't in there at the end of the game. You you'll have to explain that because I. They yeah. say it's a coaching decision. It was, yeah. Jeff Saturday and Scotty Montgomery said that in that in that two minute situation that uh, Deion Jackson would be the pass catching back in that situation over over Jonathan Taylor. So that that was the coaching explanation that Jeff gave on Monday after the game on that. Got it. Now defensively, I feel for them in a sense. Um, I've been that soldier so many times, and uh, the biggest issue. That one of the biggest, what makes a defensive coordinator's job the toughest, and this is statistically, this has been proven, it's been discussed, it's been studied. A defensive coordinator in the National Football League is the toughest single position in all of pro sports, and the reason for that is you can play, you can play 48 
minutes, 58 minutes of really good football. And if you can't hold it at the end, you know, it's yeah. on you. It yeah. just is. It does, Every, everybody it thinks does. you're a bum. Hey, you didn't do enough. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, I, I've 17, had it happen to 17 me. points to the commanders, 17 points to the, to the Chiefs, 17 <laughs> points to the Eagles, right? But you don't yeah. have a lot to show for it. But you don't have show for it. And in the last four games, we, we didn't. We didn't stop the last drive. I mean, and so, you know, it, you know, those, those things there, I mean, I saw a lot of good things. There's no question about it. Ngakwe was felt. Gilmore has been tremendous. I thought Faison had the best game. I thought he had shut down Smith after they went after him. Um, you know, I thought McLeod really good, and I, and I thought Dale really uh, improved. So, you know, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, my biggest my biggest concern was the third and seven call, and I can't let that go because, you know, I do blame the coaching staff on that. I, I just felt like, you know, that is a situation where if they beat you with a fade route or a stick route, so be it. But you just can't let, you know, a great running quarterback who runs it in the red zone, who runs it with the game on the line, you can't let him walk in. And so, you know, I think that – you know, if they tell you that they they wouldn't want to have that over again, then they're really lying. <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, it really came down to the two, and it always does. If you look at over time, you can throw out most statistics in the league. It almost always your, your success or failure usually comes down to how you do in the red zone on both sides. And really, this game uniquely came down in the last six minutes. Yeah. to two red zone sequences, okay? Yep. Mm-hmm. We've got the ball first in goal after Paris Campbell's catch down there. We got a first in goal, and we just have an atrocious series. We run a inside zone, boom, nothing. We run that reverse pass. You tell me why we do that. And then we, are in, then we get a sack on third down. So, you know, instead of having – instead of just putting them away, which, you know, would have been 20 to 10, game over, you know, we have to kick a field goal – and now it's 16 to 10, and it ain't game over with four minutes. Right. And then our ability to stop them, you know, and in, in, in our inability to stop uh, the quarterback running in for a touchdown really was the game. Because really, at the end of the day, the game down, t- the real score was 7 to 3 in the last six minutes. It was mm-hmm. really 7 to 3. You know, if, if you look at the, you know, if you look at the overall numbers in the game, they're, they're really, they're really pretty close. You know, but but at the end of the day. You know, they won the red zone issue. In the fourth quarter, um, yeah. The fourth quarter issue. And the other the other critical one, I haven't really talked about this, and this is really disappointing, they won the penalty issue. Penalties just absolutely killed us. So, you know, again, uh, tremendous football game to watch if you're a fan. Uh, again, uh, boy, I tell you what, if you got if you got a, a heart problem, you don't want you can't follow the Colts. Cause <laughs> it's going to be that fourth, that fourth quarter is going to be crazy right down to the last second. So, yep. but again, you have to spit that out. I've had to spit it out. It was hard, uh, but you have to. And, and 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 I do think the good thing is is that you know obviously we get a prime time. And Monday night football is still Monday night football. Um, and so we got an opportunity, and we get a little bit of a deep breath here with an extra day. And, uh, you know, to come back from that, to fix our mistakes, 
and try to do this on national television. How about this one, Rick, before we close out here and uh, move ahead to the Steelers? To your point, the Colts have played out of 11 games. They've played eight games decided by one score, right? They're 4-3-1 and one in those games. Uh, the NFL put out this week that the average margin of final score this season league-wide is 9.4 points the lowest in a single season since 1932 and the second smallest in a season in NFL history. So it's not just the Colts. Everybody's playing close games. That's what this league is, and all of yep. these games are coming down to the last four minutes here. You're exactly right. It, it, you know, it kind of resembles the NBA in yeah. a way. And, yeah. You know, the NBA is the last two minutes. Us, as you said, we're the last five to four minutes. You know, and it, this is what the NFL wanted. This is competitive balance. You know, I look at everybody, uh, you know, I've had a chance. I looked at Dallas this morning. I mean, there's just not great differences, uh, you know, particularly on any Sunday. I mean, what was really the difference in the Eagles and the Colts? It's really one play. You know, it's, it's really <laughs> yeah. one player making one play. I right. mean, that's that's how close that is. And so you can't, you really cannot, you can't shut it down at 4-6-1. and one. You got to keep fighting it up in here because there's nobody. You've already proved it with the Eagles and the Chiefs. There's really no one you can't play with. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, and those two teams, heck, they might even play in the Super Bowl, and the Colts exactly. had a chance and to beat you, both of them. Absolutely. You know, there's no one we can't play with regardless yeah. of our issues. So, you know, clean it up, clean the penalties up, you know, figure out a little bit better game plan against that double sink and help that left tackle, period. All right, let's turn the page. Let's start talking about Monday night football against the Steelers. And Pittsburgh comes in first time since 2017. Uh, they're off to their worst start since 2003. You talk about franchise stability. Uh, three and seven, their worst season in uh, almost two decades. They're in last place in the AFC, uh, AFC North. And just like the Colts, they've lost four of their last five. Lucas Oil Stadium is going to be hopping despite the Colts' troubles uh, the last couple of home games, losing to the Commanders and the Eagles by identical scores of 17 to 16. First home Monday night game for the Colts since 2015. Steelers come in, they're 28th in scoring, 26th in points allowed, which is not a good recipe when you're guided by an erratic <laughs> rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin, the head coach, in his 16th year, his 157 regular season wins, fourth most among active coaches, and third most since he took over uh, at the helm in 2007. The offense is bottom third in both rushing and passing, 27th in total yards, and they have struggled in one-score games. You talk about the Colts uh, with their woes in that department. Steelers just two and four in tight games. Who are these Steelers? We, you know, I think Colts fans and NFL fans around the uh, the league are, are trying to figure out, you know, who these Steelers are, what they're all about, kind of a, a new identity at quarterback without Big Ben back there. So give us the rest of the big picture on the Steelers going into this game on Monday night. Yeah, that is that is probably the question that everybody's asking in Pittsburgh is, who are these Steelers? I have great respect for uh, Mike Tomlin. I've known him since he came in the league as assistant secondary coach at Tampa. Uh, I've known him extremely well. I have great, res great respect for him. Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. He's been steady and resilient. You know, he was a Phi Beta Kappa. People don't realize that at William & Mary. This is a real sharp guy. Uh, he's, you know, I, one of the things that's really impressive to me, being a former coach, is the 15 consecutive non-losing seasons. I mean, that is the, that, you know, that is that is it's not going to happen this year, but that is the that that is the pillar 
really of consistency. Um, you know, they're they're a team. You know, they've been criticized. They're hundred eight million dollar defense. That you know, it's been called a hundred eight million dollar failure, and it's hard for me to exactly figure that out because it's pretty talented. You know, now they lost Watt for a long time. Now he's back, and that can change the venue a little bit because obviously he's defensive player of the year in twenty one. I mean, his numbers are off the charts, 73-and-a-half sacks, 22 forced fumbles. And, you know, Highsmith is playing really good on the other side. So, they, I mean, they've got a couple of guys that can ruin the game. They've really, they've really had trouble in the secondary. You know, they, I think you mentioned it. They're pretty good run defense. I think they're, they're like fifth in the league in terms of yards per rushing. So, you know, they're pretty good rush defense, but – their pass defense, particularly the corner position, has just been an absolute mess for them. They rank 32nd. That's almost hard to come out of my mouth for a Pittsburgh Steelers team. But you know that's you know that's what they are. They underachieved on defense. That that's probably the the statistic that drives me almost to drink that they would be 26th in points given up because you know with the great Steeler tradition on defense. Um, I, I think, you know, the biggest issue is we hit it. I think they've gone with Pickett. I think they basically have said we'll bite the bullet here, uh, you know, in 2022. We'll battle through it, and we like him. We want to go with him, and we want him ready for 223. And that's what happens when you go into that experimental phase. Um, you know, he's been a kid that's had his highs and lows, but you know, erratic is exactly right. You know, and he's, you know, he's got three TDs and eight interceptions. So that that tells you something. Now he's talented. You know, he's a kid that can make some things happen. Uh, he's a torque thrower. By that is, I mean he really has to step into it uh, when he's in the pocket. Uh, he's got some pretty good zip on it. He's a much better athlete than you think he is. He's a guy that. Uh, you know, there's no way that he's a Jalen Hurts, but he's a guy that can move the chains on third down. You know, their their running game has not been Steeler-like. Uh, you know, Najee Harris is good. We'll talk about him. But he's at 3-9, I think. But they did. Now, this is, this is the craziness of this season, as you mentioned before, and them. They had 217 rushes. 217 yards rushing two weeks ago against a good Saints defense. So, you know, go figure that. It's not like they can't do it. You know, they've got a good couple outside receivers. Uh, Johnston, you know, is I think he's got, what, 55 catches. I mean, he's, you know, he's the top guy. And the guy that's really coming on, the guy that's making them, going to make them better, is picking as a kid out of Georgia. He's really finding himself deep threat. And then I don't know if I'm going to say this this word correctly. I should have asked you before. Uh oh, Friermuth. Yeah, Friermuth. Tight end. Yeah, yep. Friermuth. They're, Penn they're State. tight end. Yep. Is really the security blanket. You know, he's the possession guy. The quarterback likes him on those little options. So, you know, it it isn't like they're totally devoid of tack of talent. They've just been so inconsistent. And it's really been a lot around the quarterback. The other thing I, I might add is uh, Danny Smith is their special teams coach. He's been there with Mike, I think, a decade. Very good special teams coach. And they have a returner in Sims who every time he touches the ball, he scares me. Yeah. I mean, just scares me. He's also their gimmick guy on offense. So, again, that's that's another weapon that we have to make sure we really right. cover kicks. You know, if you look at my three big barometers – um, not very good, you know. Points given up, twenty sixth. 
uh, QBR, um, you know, Pickett as, is at number 25 at 43. But I think I do see a little bit of improvement the last couple of weeks, and then their turnover ratio is zero. So, you know, that's what we're looking at, not uh, not your father's Steelers, certainly mm-hmm. – you know, maybe the most um, subpar Steeler team that I've seen in a long time. All right, well, let's talk about them on offense. Let's roll out the blueprints for the Colts' defense to win this game and get the upper hand. And um, just like the Colts, they have struggled to score. They are under 20 points in five games on the season, only putting up 17 per game. The Steelers were the only team in the NFL to draft a quarterback in the first round last year in the spring, and that was Kenny Pickett, 20th overall out of Pittsburgh. He started the last six games. He's got a record of 2-4. and four. He took over back in week number four after the Steelers bench Mitch Trubisky. Um, his touchdown-to-interception ratio, not good. It's 8-3 to three in that regard, or I should say 3-8. to eight. Uh, Their lead back is Najee Harris. He has over 500 rushing yards and 130 receiving yards. He has the 7th most scrimmage yards in the NFL among running backs since the start of last season. They've got three pass catchers on the outside with at least 400 yards. Deontay Johnson, rookie George Pickens out of Georgia, and then tight end Pat Fryermuth from nearby Penn State. And Pickens, uh, with his yards and catches, those rank eighth by a player in their first 10 games uh, of their rookie season. Fryermuth is one of four tight ends in the NFL this season with at least three games of at least 75 receiving yards. So that's kind of the skinny on a sluggish and kind of up-and-down Steelers offense. Rick, what else stands out to you about the Steelers when they've got the ball with their rookie signal caller back there? No, that that's right. As far as the actual players, you know, it, it you know it's actually a very representative group. I mean, you know, Harris is a very, very good back. I mean, and he does the yeoman work in there. Uh, not big per, but he's got yardage over the years. We know how talented he is. He can really hit those zone plays. Now, you also, he's a good edge guy. You know, comes back from Alabama. He's a guy that can bounce the edge. The other kid that goes in and plays and kind of speeds up the game is Warren. He's their third down back. Um, they, they they picked for him the other day. He caught a wheel touchdown uh, coming out of the backfield against the Saints. Um, and the two of them just ran possessed against the Saints, and then they've disappeared also, um, you know, expect some Wildcat. They like Najee and the Wildcat back in there. Um, again, I like the two wideouts. I, I know Pickens is young, but he's a guy that can get on top of you. Um, he's a 50-50 guy. I would say that he's a guy that may become an A.J. Brown someday. That's who he reminds me of. And, you know, his number is pretty good. It's 13-7 per catch. So, you know, he's productive when he gets it. And of course, Johnson's the go-to guy, uh, Matt, and what they do is they try to utilize him. They they put him at the X, at the split end, uh, and try to isolate him on the weak side one-on-one. But then when they get in, like, possession downs, they'll go to spread, but he'll be in the slot, and Pickens will be in the other slot, you know, with Friar Muth there at number three. And that, what they end up doing is creating a triangle with those three top receivers and they'll do a lot of slot uh, issues there to Johnson. I think their offensive line uh, is okay. Uh, I don't think it's a great Steeler line. Uh, they really had trouble against the Bengals. Their left tackle Moore, um, he got beat like a drum. I think Dotson is a beatable guy at left guard. 
the right tackle. I think he plays, oh, I would say he plays with lazy feet. I think you can get him late in the down. I think you can make a lot of money if you get ahead of him from that standpoint. Um, again, the quarterback now is deceptively athletic. I mean, he's a guy that can move. Um, he runs bootlegs. His boots are always to our left. I've, I've not been able to pick up one to our right, so that tells our left end. He's got to be very aware on the bootleg. They're a right-handed bootleg team. But he's a deceptive athlete that throws well on the run. I think like most rookies, he struggles in the pocket, not because he doesn't have talent, but because he has trouble processing it yet. He doesn't. He gets unsure of himself. Uh, that's where the interceptions come. You know, he has interceptions in DNA, even though he was drafted in the first round. A lot of people thought that was manufactured. Um, he has turnovers in his DNA, both fumbles and, uh, and you know, and interceptions. So you've got to make that happen. And then the other thing you always got to be alert for with the Steeler team, and this goes all the way back to uh, all the way back to Cowher, uh, and and Mike has kept it. It's kind of a Steeler tradition. Is they are really a big gimmick team, even when they're tough physically and they're rolling. They have always been a gimmick team. So you always have to plaster receivers, be really sound in your cupping of the ball. You know you'll see halfback passes, reverses. And right now, Sims, 82, who I was talking about as a return guy, if he's around that box, he's there for a reason. He's going to run something, and I always say, who can forget the Randall L. double pass in the uh, in the Super Bowl? And I'm a big student of history when it comes to teams. For the most part, if you study their history, most of that stuff will come back. So I would say, number one, the number one thing uh, must is we must dominate that line of scrimmage on first down particularly on those zone runs, and we have to turn that line of scrimmage, and we have to really stuff Harris. Now, when you stuff him, though, our defensive ends, which I thought did a pretty good job last week, you have to play discipline because he is a bounce runner. He'll take that play up into the like the four hole, and, man, if you overclose it, he's out of there. And occasionally they'll pull a guard and run a predetermined bounce to get to the outside. So, uh, holding the edge on Najee and Warren is really, really important. Make sure we set the edge on our left on the boots, particularly on first down. They almost all come on first down, and they almost always come to his right. you got to win first down and, may, and put this quarterback in disadvantage. This is what you want. You want the quarterback and you want their left tackle in disadvantage. Number two, you got to take Johnson away. Johnson has the 51 catches. He's the high-volume guy, go-to guy, and he's going to move around. Again, sometimes he'll be isolated at X. Sometimes he'll be in the slot. But he is the go-to guy. And then right behind him, the guy that I think is emerging is Pickens. And I would say you want to defend Pickens much like A.J. Brown, which we did a good job. He caught some underneath stuff early, but he never got loose last week. Uh, on Gilmore, but you want to defend him deep. You know, he's got 33 catches, and they're coming lately. But, again, it's 13-7, and he competes for the deep ball. He has length, and he can go get it. So stay on top of him and take away the fade. Make sure you play the fade. Now, I think your linebackers and safeties have to crowd Friermuth 
that he's number 44, the tight end, particularly in third down. They get in two-by-two across the board, and they run those little options to fire move back there because they they know you'll push the coverage to other people, and the quarterback likes that because they're easy throws. The other thing they do a lot of, Matt, and, and this is just something that we have to be ready for fundamentally, particularly in man-to-man coverage, you really they run a lot of bunches and a lot of stacks, and they run a lot of rub routes and one guy under and one high lows, what I call high lows, and then they'll rub and, and run crossing patterns, and they'll always have a high with it. So you got to do a real good job. Don't get distorted in those bunches. You have to define how you're going to do it and take it, okay? Number three, again, expect reverses and gimmicks. It's hard for this team to maintain long drives without creating, and they almost have to create something and that's where Tomlin is yearning the, 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 the gimmicks. Again, the two things that are important there, because you never know when they're coming, is discipline on the edge. Don't fly crazy. If 82 is around the box, be alerted on that. That one guy should alert the other side that something could be coming. He's a terrific space athlete. He'll be involved in that. The other guy they try to get some things for is Warren, Number 30 comes in at running back. Again, they ran a pick for him out of the backfield and hit him for a wheel route on a touchdown. So, again, nothing easy. They'll have a tough time sustaining long drives. Don't give them anything easy. And plaster your receivers because of the potential flea flickers and the quarterback's ability to extend. So don't think you have them at the interval. You know, you got them covered. Now they start moving, plaster and plaster and plaster them all the way because this kid will move and extend, and you may get some kind of razzle-dazzle play. But at the end, number four, you've got to ruin the quarterback's day. Mix and match coverages with him. He is a rookie. Confuse him. Uh, close his right-handed uh, bootleg, our left edge on the boots, and close off his scramble lanes. Make him sit back in there and throw into dirty pockets. Rush him. I think he'll panic. I think you can force him into panic, and I think you can force him to turn the ball over. As I said, it's three touchdowns and eight picks, mm-hmm. and I think we got to make him confirm that stat. And you know, as I said before, turnovers are in his DNA. Even though he was successful in college, there was a lot of turnovers. All right, let's turn the page, focus on the Steelers on defense. That's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Inside Football before the Colts take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And their stats on that side of the ball, pretty pedestrian, despite the fact they've got some big-time playmakers on that unit. They're 26th in points allowed, including 37 against the Bengals last week. They stopped the run pretty well, but they're horrible against the pass. As you said, dead last giving up 272 passing yards per game. They've allowed 22 passing touchdowns on the season. That's most in the NFL. They've given up 43 passing plays over 20, which is the second most allowed in the NFL this season. And they're giving up those plays despite having big names in their secondary like Cameron Sutton and Levi Wallace and Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, Pretty good up front. Um, They're not going to wow you with their sack numbers, but they've got Cameron Hayward, T.J. Watt is back, Devin Bush, former Jaguar, Miles Jack, and then Alex Highsmith. T.J. Watt is back, as I said. He missed seven games with a pack and just an absolute stud, the reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, We know about Fitzpatrick. 
the last time the Colts played the Steelers, he had a pick six in 2019, really kind of changed the game in that contest. Uh, his 23 combined takeaways since 2019 are the fourth most in the NFL in that time. So, Rick, let me ask you before you get into your musts, why are the Steelers so disappointing on paper on defense compared to all that talent they've got on the field? Well, that is the $108 million question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they got a defense that they pay $108 million to. No, nice. 26 in in, in points given up. Yeah. And that's the surprise of the league. And I'm I'm a little shocked by it, although their pass defense has just been shredded. And they don't blitz. You know, at one time, you know, obviously the Pittsburgh defense was known as Blitzburg. It really was because they brought it every single down. And they're not doing that as much. I, I'm not sure why. You know, the LeBeau principles, and I'm bringing a name out of the past. This is all the way back to the Chuck Knoll days. LeBeau was the guy who installed their under 4-3 defense. It's actually a 3-4, but it it's played like a 4-3. And it's old school. It's more under. Normally, we're looking at over and double sync every single week. That, that is the NFL trademark defense. They're a throwback in that they're an under, meaning that they push the defense to the weak side and they keep a defensive end on your tackle. Now, most of the time he lines up on the tackles inside eye. So it is close to a double sync, and they play that a lot. And their base coverage is cover eight. And this is what what cover eight is. Cover eight means it's quarters to the field. In other words, the strong corner has the outside quarter, the strong safety has the uh, the inside quarter, and then they roll up weak. So it's combination quarters strong and kind of a cover two look weak and very hard match coverage underneath. Um, and that, that's kind of their basic coverage. Now, if you get in the slot, they will check at the three. I know this defense so well. We were in the division way back when with them in Cleveland, and a lot of the principles are still there. If anything, Mike has watered their defense down. He's simplified it over the years, and I I don't know if that's been good because they used to just be a headache every down, and I I don't see that as much. Um, You know, when you look at their personnel, and I think think we should overlook their overall sack numbers because – you know, Watt is just coming back. He's just getting a feel. I mean, as you said, defensive player, this guy has 73 and a half sacks. He's got 22 forced fumbles. I mean, on our right, on our le- on our right side, he is, you know, he's, he's the best player in the league. And hopefully, you know, he's kind of easing his way back. He had the big injury, missed a lot of ball. And then Highsmith on their, on their right, you know, he's got nine sacks. And then Hayward is we got 44 tackles and four sacks. He's one of the best three techniques. So, you know, I think potentially if you're not careful, if you get behind an account, this is a team that could give you a lot, a lot of problems. Particularly Hayward on Fries and Highsmith over there on, uh, uh, you know, on Ryman. I mean that that bothers me a little bit. But they have struggled, and their linebackers, you know, Jack and White and Spillane, they're not bad. You you already talked a, a, a you know a, a great deal about the free safety. I mean you know Fitzpatrick is also a game changer. Edmonds not bad at strong safety, and where they've really struggled. Here's where they've really struggled, and it and it kind of bears out statistics. And this is going to be in my must is they've really struggled at corner. They started out with Witherspoon, 
He got toasted so bad by A.J. Brown. They went to Eli Wallace. He's had exactly the same issues. Sutton has played a little bit better, but not great. Sutton plays the right side. Uh, you know, Wallace will play their left side. Uh, and then uh, Mala is their, is their nickelback. Edmonds will come down when they go dime. But it is really, that's where they've struggled. Uh, again, as I said, this is a under team rather than an over team. They will get double sync. And as you know, copycat league, man, copycat league, they're, you know, teams are going to do what hurt us. They will do a lot of five-man rush, uh, what we call fire zones. They'll bring uh, the safeties up and go. They'll bring the nickel off the edge. One of those inside linebackers inside, they will bring it quite a bit. Now, there are some things over the years that you want to do against them. They're so rigid in their system, you can make them predictable. One of the things you want to do is get in slot formation. Their slot formation and their double calls will force them into a cover three. And if they're in man-to-man coverage, they'll bring their corners over and you know exactly what you're getting. I've also liked a lot of uh, when we go into our 12 personnel is get in a balanced ace formation, balanced ace with our two tight ends, and they roll up weak, but they roll up wide. So you can bang that three technique off tackle. We always used to do that at Cleveland, just bang it right back up in there. Then I've also, you know, like four open. In other words, you you give them four open with a running back back there and, you know, see if you can make Watt walk or Highsmith walk with their coverages on first down because, remember, those two guys are in there to rush the passer. They're, those, they're outside linebackers, but they're there to rush the passer. Anytime you can force them out of the box, you eliminate a rusher. And number two, you got a guy that's really not great in coverage. That's the worst part of his, of his game. And then we used to have a lot of success. I know Belichick over the years has had a lot of success with spreads because, again, same kind of idea. Particularly on first down, they're very rigid. They don't go to nickel. Even if you put three wides in there, they'll play their base on first down. So, if you get in spreads, you can make them walk and reduce their coverages. Now, the only thing I would say is when we go spread, we need to keep the running back close to the back to the to the box and the tight end close to the box, so that we can chip and help those um, help those tackles. To be honest with you, because you got again, you got the player of the year on the left, and you got a nine sack guy on our left. So those are really important, and they're pretty balanced. It's it's either eight or it's three, or it's one on first down. Then on third down, they like a lot of two and two man and one lurk, really old school. I'd say number one must. We've got to spread their front. That's what those formation variances I talked about matter and pound them to the weak side. You're always better running weak against them. If they're going to bring stuff, it's usually off your strong side. I like balanced ace. Uh, I like to trade the tight end over there and work the three te- three technique. If they if you get them in nickel and they do play nickel, that's they suffer on the running game. You can't pound the bubble there. And again, somehow, some way, if they jump in that double sink, you're going to have to run power and you're going to have to run some gaps, or else we're going to be looking at second ten all day long. But the best thing to do is spread their front. Uh, number two, we've got to block the edges here. Okay, we can't isolate either tackle on Watt 
or on Highsmith, okay? Again, I'm not going to get into the numbers. They're very, very good. But both of those guys can ruin your game. They can absolutely ruin your game. So you have to do a really good job. The other thing, because we've had a lot of trouble with it, uh, I think expect a blitz barrage. I, they got nothing to lose at three and seven. They play, they have they they've done a lot of five man rush, but not a ton of real blitzes. I would expect a blitz barrage. To tell you the truth, number three, we want to attack their left corner. Um, it's going to start out with Wallace. If he struggles, they may go back to Witherspoon, but that's where you got to attack it. And what you want to do is you want to be in a formation. Listen to me on this. You want to be in formation right from a Colt standpoint. You want the formation to be right because understand that on first down, that cover eight rolls weak and it's quarters to the strong side. So if you want to isolate those guys, you want to isolate them on first down. If you wait till third down, they'll help them. But on first down, you're going to be able to get Pierce or Pittman or um, or Paris over there at the Z, not at the X. You don't want to go to the X. You want them at the Z, and you want to work like hell. And I mean work, take your shots. Let's let's go try to score points here. Let's get after them. But you can't wait till second and long. You can't wait till third down because Mike's old school. His, as soon as you get second and long, it's two, it's two, man. It's a much different proposition. On first down, it's eight, it's three, or it's one. So if you think about it, just simplify it for a second, that strong side corner is naked. And that's where they've been, you know, they're not 32 by accident, you know. And I just think, you know, in the end, and when we do this, we're good. And when we don't, we're a mess. Uh, We did it for six minutes or eight minutes Sunday. And then for 54 minutes, we didn't do it. And that's it, command first down. Just open and stretch their defensive system. You have to have a run-pass mix. You're not going to beat them one-dimensional. You've got to stretch them and get them out of there. Keep them out of advantage situations where Watt, Hayward, and Highsmith can hunt. That's what you got to do. And, again, we did that early in the game. You know, we got to be more adaptable than we were last week. I thought Philadelphia coaching staff – Really, really, after the first eight minutes, they did the adjusting, and we didn't. And so that's really critical. you got to be able – the NFL is just all about constant mm-hmm. adaptations in a game, and we got to do that. But win first down. All right, Rick, to close out, the Colts have to flush out that disappointment of last week in this game. They've got the extra day, like we talked about, to do it. Um, but at the end of the day, the Steelers going into this game – uh, incredibly beatable, having a difficult season. Yep. Uh, the Colts are trying to beat them as a franchise for the first time since 2008, and this is not the Steelers team or the franchise of old. So with six games to play, where are you telling this team or how are you telling this team to draw inspiration? Because it's not a sexy matchup, but it is a primetime right. game, and all eyes are going to be on the Colts, and you don't want to look bad on national television when you're trying to breathe some life going into your season here down the final you know, month and a half uh, of this 2022 campaign. Well said. I mean, in the end, to me, first of all, you have to spit out Sunday, and I think we'll do that. I think the total focus now, and it's only one thing, it's the 222 beatable Steelers. As I said before, and I'm going to say it again to you, this is not your father's Steelers. Do not be in awe of those uniforms. 
There's no Bradshaw, Franco, Swan, Stallworth. They're not going to score any points this week. Joe Green, Greenwood, Ham, Lambert, and Blunt, they're not going to be there to stop you. <laughs> the only team that can stop you this week is you. The only team that can beat the Colts this week is the Colts if they don't play their A game. Again, this is a great opportunity, not a good opportunity. This is a great opportunity. You dream of playing that prime time, which is Monday night, that every person who's ever meant anything to you, your family, that high school coach, everybody in this country that matters to you is watching you and is your co-pilot this week. Okay. More importantly to me, this was always my goal, is every one of your peers is watching you. Everybody's played on Sunday. They're watching. Coaches and players, they're going to be watching. You can create your legacy on Monday Night Football. This is a perfect setting, in my opinion, for the horseshoes to crawl back out of the hole and get back in contention. I know this for history. World championships have been won by teams that were 7-7 seven and seven by Christmas, and to me, that's our goal. So this is the first step. We've got to get this one. This is a must, and we, and we win it by bringing our A game yeah. and bringing a clean A game. No doubt about that. That's Rick Venturi, and that's this week's Inside Football before the Colts take on the Steelers. Rick, as always, fantastically done. I got to ask, what are your Thanksgiving plans? What do you got coming up tomorrow as we tape this on Wednesday uh, going into the holiday? Well, that's pretty interesting because I've got a break in the weather. So I, I actually, uh. I haven't winterized the chocolate <laughs> yet. So, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be watching a little football. We're having a family dinner at 6. Miss Sherry's got uh-huh. them all coming over. All right. Um, and uh, we're, we're having dinner at 6. So, the afternoon is going to be mine. I, I want to take a – I already started on Dallas. I, I really want to get a good look at Dallas again tomorrow because they won't play again until we see them. So, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, that's a, that's a good day. And I've always loved Thanksgiving. I always looked at Thanksgiving like, you know, this is the stretch now. This is you – know, obviously my mind is NFL-oriented. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like it's a thankful day. It's just this starts the stretch, you know. Right, it's a line of demarcation in the uh, in the season, right <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, that's the home somebody stretch. Used, somebody used to ask me when I was coaching, you know, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I, yeah. I used to say, I'm working on the red zone. What the hell you think I'm doing? <laughs> it's Thursday. It's blitz pickup. That's, <laughs> you know, that's what it and, is. And you got to bear with me sometimes because in in my 27 years in the NFL, and I don't say this arrogantly, but my specialty on every staff became red zone defense. It just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It just started. I started and then kind of developed a little bit of a reputation, and it carries through in a, in a small world. And so my my life really for 27 years revolved around that final 20 yards. So I just believe in it, and you know, teams that do well. And you know what I, you know, more than anything else, and I think this applies to our failures offensively in the red zone. You got to be known for something in the red zone. You can't get cute in the red zone. You have to, you have to have your best off tackle run. You have to have a fade stop game on the outside, one receiver that can run an option inside, and then if you have the mobile quarterback like Philadelphia and even Pittsburgh, then the fourth dimension is the running quarterback. But those are the things you can mask them. 
But all this cuteness just kills you. I mean, a reverse pass. I mean, you've got to be able, when you're on that seven-yard line, those windows are so freaking tight. You've got to be able to execute with your best play. And uh, so, well, anyway, so much for that rant. It was a fantastic rant, and it's it's so true. I mean, it's, it's so indicative uh, of where this Colts team is on the season here. I want to know though. Are you making the salad? Are you making your patented salad? I do. I I, I am the. You're good point. I'm I'm the salad and Sunday maker. I do the <laughs> salads. I do the opener and I do the closer. I do Attaboy. the chocolate Sundays at the end, and everything else is Miss Sherry. So. Thank well, God she's got the ball game. Well, what you were uh, we were broadcasting remotely, and you did bring in that salad last year for one of those games <laughs> on the remote broadcast, and that was a damn good salad. That was really good. I wanted to give props oh, to you. See, you got to make that again. You're too kind. <laughs> well, Rick, enjoy the day. Uh, if you're if you're going to be out in the chopper on the cycle, uh, be safe. Have a great time with family, and we will indeed talk to you later this week for Monday Night Football against the Steelers. Can't wait for it, man. All right, Matt, you and your family have a great day tomorrow. I appreciate that. Will do. Again, that's Rick Venturi. That's it for Inside Football Week number 12. As always, for the latest on the Colts, check us out, Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and be sure to subscribe to everything on the Colts Audio Network. We've got plenty more coming your way all week long going into this Monday nighter, first home Monday night game for the Colts since 2015. Again, for Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor, and we will talk to you next week on another installment of Inside Football, getting you ready for Colts and Cowboys here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.